Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 14th. Be grateful for life's disappointments. Give them to God, and in the end, you will always find that they were the best thing that could have happened to you. Disappointments are life's way of opening up for you new windows of opportunity. Well, another nice challenging um, aphorism from Swami Kriyananda that doesn't necessarily conform to our egoic preferences about things. Um, one of the themes of, of the yoga practice is overcoming likes and dislikes. Likes and dislikes are the belief that if I have this, I'll be happy, and if that happens to me, I won't be happy. You know, it's just, it's a constant battle, and if, you, if we watch ourselves, we watch how much of our life is ruled by our likes and dislikes. Oh, I'm inclined this way, I don't want that one, I hope this happens, I wish this one doesn't happen. And if we're honest about things, we'll also notice that uh, often our opinions are entirely ignored by the universe. We just have an idea of what we want, but um, life does not support it. So when that happens to us consistently, as it does, and even if it doesn't, if your, if your number isn't up today, you can just look around at your friends or your family or acquaintances or friends of friends, and uh, everybody's always at one time or another facing something exceedingly difficult. I'm, I, because I've been part of a community for so many decades and our community is quite expanded around the world, you know, I have a very, I have a very large circle of people I know and it's just amazing to me how somebody somewhere is always facing something very difficult. And in the life that we live dedicated to God, I feel that much of our bad karma is mitigated by our devotion. But nonetheless, cancer comes and other inevitable disappointments. So we, when, we're, when we're disappointed in life, or we're suffering because people we love are being disappointed, we have a choice about how we regard that. And many people in the world, what happens over the course of a lifetime, or many lifetimes, is that they just become more and more cynical. You know, it never works out anyway. Don't hope for very much. You think it's going to be okay, but it's not going to be okay. You know, you know marriage is really just a trap anyway. It's like true love isn't possible. Your kids are probably going to be no damn good. I mean, it just goes on and on. <clears throat> and usually it's in one lifetime that, you know, the career doesn't quite work out. Maybe the marriage doesn't quite work out. Maybe the kids don't quite work out. Or maybe I've got all of it. And everything has worked out just as it's supposed to. But I still have this a sense of terrible ennui. Just the anguishing monotony of it is what Master calls it, that none of us, None of it really made me happy. So what we have to ask ourselves is, is that really the true answer? Is that really what's happening? 
that just don't expect much out of life and this is the best you can expect and be glad it's not worse. I had a very um, enjoyable conversation with a friend once who was uh, <clears throat> become part of the Ananda spiritual path. <clears throat> and he was explaining to me, uh, he was a young man and he was studying mathematics. And uh, he was explaining to me that he'd only recently begun to believe in a higher in a higher power in a greater reality in the possibility of a, an infinite divine guiding force that was benign and loving in other words that there was there was something really beautiful behind what was going on in life um, for the for many years until recently he was saying to me he was an atheist and he looked at all the suffering in the world and that, you know, bad people often seemed to win and good people often didn't win. And he just decided that there was no order, there was no pattern, there was no goodness, there was certainly no God. That was just it. Anybody with a brain, as far as he was concerned, looking around, could see that that was true. <coughs> and then at some point, he became infatuated with mathematics and started studying on a a deeper and more elevated level. It's not my field, so I don't even know what that means. It's just how he put it to me. And gradually, he began to realize that the reason he loved mathematics was that the patterns were so beautiful. And as he put it, you know, the, the resolution of any mathematical problem was always elegant and harmonious. And he said, if the answer wasn't elegant and harmonious, he said he always knew it wasn't the right answer because the patterns of mathematics always resolved. Now, I'm taking his word for it because I, I, I don't think in that field at all. But he said then it crossed his mind that if, if, um, if even a mathematical equation has to have an, the, that the right answer is always elegant and harmonious, that he, he, he raised the same question about life itself. And the, the answer that he'd given to life itself was rather dark. It was neither elegant nor harmonious. And it crossed his mind that it was the wrong answer. And, that, and then he began to really try to think seriously about the meaning of life. And in the process of that, he found some books by Swamiji, and then he found Ananda, and then he found Yogananda's teachings. And he found in Sanatana Dharma, which is everything that I share when I talk here from one angle or another, that in Sanatana Dharma, suddenly there was a, both an elegant and a harmonious answer to what you might call the equation or the problem of life. Where does suffering come from? What brings happiness? And that the only reason that we feel um, that we suffer is because we haven't reached, we haven't gotten the right answer yet. I've often put it in a simple way. If it's not the happy ending, it's not the ending. Now, looking at life incarnation by incarnation, there's a lot of unhappy endings. It just, hap it just goes that way. A, a friend of mine, her daughter, um, was an opera singer. Beautiful, beautiful voice. Very Gained success very early on in her life. Was just beloved and cherished by thousands of people around the world for her talent and for her goodness. 
metastasized cancer, 44 years old, young children, husband, everything. Now she's gone. Now it's very hard to feel that that's an answer. Like why, why did such a beautiful spirit uh, with so much to live for, why was she taken off this planet? I can't answer that question. But I've had enough experience of how disappointment turns out to be exactly what was needed to take me to the next level of happiness that when I'm inclined now to stop it at the point like this where logic would tell me that this is not good that somehow we're going somewhere and I don't know where we're going yet. Everyone who's had a near-death experience and then come back to tell us about it, speaking of death, always talks about how free and wonderful it is to be out of your body and how even the concerns that seem so obvious from another perspective are not really a problem, that everyone is, will be taken care of and everyone is loved, even if I'm not going to be there to be an instrument of that, although in all such cases people came back. But when they had these revelations, they didn't know they were coming back. They were just saying a final goodbye because there is a level um, the where we are going is, is not where we think we're going. We see, we see what we're trying to accomplish in the world in terms of the world. How long do I live? What do I accomplish? You know, what are my children? How much money? What is my career? You know, do I live a, a, a full term? Is nobody left behind? All these different issues that we think are the point. Whereas the real story that's going on here is that all of these life experiences are a way of developing our consciousness and where our consciousness is going is to perfect bliss and everything that is keeping us from perfect bliss has to be faced and transcended attachment to the body belief that love only exists in a certain way that security comes from money that people have to regard me. I mean, just make a long list of all of it. Now, <clears throat> I can't speak from the level of realization that Swami Kriyananda could speak or Paramahansa Yogananda could speak. I'm not a saint. I'm not a master. I mean, I'm none of those things. But somehow, I mean, from a very young age, I'd had enough already, enough incarnational experience that when Sanatana Dharma was presented to me, and the saints and the masters were presented to me, I knew they were telling me the truth. How did I know that? I have no idea. But I just did. It's just like, we just know certain things. We, you, know, you know when you meet someone who's a friend, you know you love them. You might be able to quantify it, but it's, more, it's not because of what you quantify. You just know that you love them. And there's just many things about life that we just simply know. Then I can put words on it. I realized I knew all these things from when I was a child. When I got older, I figured out how to put words on them, but the understanding was already there. It's just something that we know. So once we have sufficient experience that we build over many incarnations, that suddenly we, we draw a different conclusion. You know, is the fact that this world is just a nightmare and it's never going to change, is that really the reality? Or is there another answer? I mean, the, the, the 
way you ask, God, why are you doing this to me, is quite different than the same words expressed this way. God, why are you doing this to me? In other words, what am I supposed to learn? What is your greater intention? Is there a benign loving force guiding my reality? Am I just a tourist passing through this incarnation on my way to my true home? And as I said, no one can force you to believe that. But people such as myself can say it to you as a point of consideration, which you can take into your own experience and take into your own intuition and see where it leads you. And certainly, I'm convinced. I met Swami Kriyananda, who was the living expression of the promise of the scriptures. That's what I would call him. I recognized him intuitively when I first saw him as having the consciousness that I myself wanted to have. I, my intuition said to me, he has what you want, what I want. He has what I want. I didn't even clearly know what it was, but I knew he had it. And then over the course of many years of association and study, I began to, I began to clearly understand the nature of that consciousness and become more and more profoundly convinced that that consciousness was the goal of life. And whatever disappointments I had to go through on the way to getting there, they have proven to be, no matter how painful, and many of them have been extraordinarily painful. But in the end, with courage, perseverance, and faith, if we just use each experience, God, what are you trying to teach me? You know, they become, uh, they open us up, just like Swami said. They open us up, disappointments open us up to much deeper self-understanding. And much deeper self-understanding leads, leads to a, a clearer, more effective, more intelligent, more fruitful um, way of conducting our lives. And then, of course, as we become more adept at conducting our lives in harmony with our true goals, then everything becomes easier. And even when the inevitable next disappointment comes, because until all misunderstanding is purified from one's heart, one has to keep having challenging experiences. Unfortunately, we learn a lot from being disappointed. I wish it weren't true. Master himself said he had an argument with Divine Mother why must you teach your children through suffering? And I don't know why she does, but I certainly can speak for myself in saying, disappointment has taught me a great deal. Is it possible I could have learned it in a less painful way? Well, if I could have, I have faith that Divine Mother would have given that method to me. That's sort of how I look at it. If I could learn what I need to learn by an easier method, God loves me and he would give me that method. He's not trying to hurt me. He's just trying to liberate me from my ignorance. And if I cling to my ignorance, then he has to rip it out of my hands. But whether that moves us toward greater happiness or greater cynicism, that's the choice that we get to make. Whether we're disappointed is set in motion by karma from the past. But how I respond to that karma that's the choice that I have. So Swami says, be grateful 
for life's disappointments. Give them to God. And in the end, you will always find that they were the best thing that could have happened to you. Disappointments are life's way of opening up for you new windows of opportunity. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.